citizen of the verse today is may 18th 2951 and welcome to another episode of readcast we're a weekly star citizen podcast sponsored by the read organization i'm your host way too geeky and i'm joined by my two co-hosts mr trying to fit a rock in a hard place himself check off hello <laughs> everybody and and of course who could forget the man with the big heart but no tonk Mr. Seagard also. <laughs> hey, everybody. Oh. <laughs> I thought maybe this week we could make it more game-specific, you know? Yeah. yeah. That was my deep voice impersonation, my manly voice. Hello, everybody. I, that sounded like I was almost trying to impersonate Chekhov, uh, but I wasn't. Almost. almost. I'm just trying almost. to do... Uh, you know what? I impersonate you so much now that sometimes I go into work <laughs> and... Oh, no. Our Zoom calls, I almost, almost, I have to fight myself every time to not be like, hello, everybody, because they won't get it. Oh, no. They're probably thinking you're making fun of them. And then if they're like, why is this guy doing that? You know, the explanation will be, oh, so I play this space sim. It's really complex. And I just so happen to belong in an organization. And part of that organization means that I record a podcast on a weekly basis. And it's like. I don't need that kind of cred at work, you know? Right. (laughs) And you you really have to just come out with that and say, well, in my alternate life, I'm a space admiral. (laughs) Or space cadet. (laughs) Sometimes both. Um, So we have a great week, I I feel like. We're in store for a lot. Um, What have you guys been up to this past week? Seaguard, what have you been doing? Uh, you know, I've been playing a little bit. I actually been going out to the to the Aaron Halo a little bit. I did some rock mining. Um, actually, no, I did some planetary mining too, a little bit with Chekhov the other day. Um, but I've been trying out those modules, uh, the passive modules on my Prospector, and it's been going pretty well. Uh, and then I did some on Sunday, uh, or actually Saturday, tried to get a few of us together to do a fly into. Uh, uh, like in advance of the Invictus, so we tried mm-hmm. to, and, and we did. We recorded it with a with pictures. I thought I was recording it with a, a, a video, but uh, I didn't do that right. Anyway, so uh, but we had some good pictures of us. You know, a big Carrick and a big uh, caterpillar, um, one hammer or uh, hammerhead, and a uh, a claimer flying in. So we did some departing and arrivals and got some cool pictures. Not, not a lot, but quite a bit. It was fun. That's great. <laughs> um, Mr. Chekhov, how about yourself? Yeah, kind of uh, a, little, a little bit of variety. For some reason, stayed out of bounties uh, this week. Just kind of went back to mining and uh, did a little prospector mining mostly prospector because they wanted to see how uh, the whole refining loop is still is and uh, uh, it's a little bit of a you know disappointing because now that we can add on all the uh, you know uh, passive and active consumables uh, but mm-hmm. the problem is if you get a 30k or you get destroyed and you have to file a claim, uh they're gone and they're quite expensive you know i was using two of them and they're together were 120k right so 120,000 mm. there goes 
pretty much my, you know, couple of days worth of uh, mining. So, you know, I just don't put them on anymore. Uh, you know, just not, not worth it. You know, just, which is kind of defeats, unfortunately, the whole purpose because, you know, they do want us to experiment and, and, and try all these new features, but, you know, um, just doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, so primarily was doing, you know, prospector mining at different places. And actually yesterday I went to New, New Babbage. I put through a rock into uh, Rock DS into the Freelancer Max. I decided just to see what was on the planet. And I, not that I had time to mine, but I was like exploring. I found a bunch of rocks, everything from, from Hedonite to Quantanium, right on New Babbage, which was sort of uh, surprising. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm in New Babbage right now, and I. Oh, I'm New Babbage, and I'm in your be server, in a too. Rock instead. I'm actually on I'm your server. I'm rolling around. I'm rolling around on an Ursa on the ice. Mm. So maybe I'll switch. <laughs> oh, wait. So let um, me invite you to a party. I haven't been doing much myself. I did just get an apartment locked down, so my life should be a little more um, able to participate in the game a little bit. Um, but I did the other night rock mine some. Uh it was fun, you know. I actually, I only mined like one big Hadnite uh, field, like maybe five or six of them. Not a, not even a ton, just a, you know, a few. It was still fifty k. Um, that's pretty once good. I sold it. That's not bad. If you find a few good ones, it really is one of the more profitable things to do outside of uh, combat missions. Yeah, I agree with that. But the uh, one of our org members, they were doing some really profitable combat missions. They were doing sixty thousand bounties, and they, those and they, they were not hammerheads. They were, but they were sixty thousand. They were just knocking them out in like less than ten minutes. You know that I mean, that's really good. I'm glad to hear that bounty mission. Like, if you think about like what bounty hunters quote unquote make, you know, it's usually like a lot more than just, I guess the difference is uh, I'm actually thinking more of a mercenary because bounty hunters in, in lore are legal, legally hunting, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking of like a mercenary or an assassin, you know, make can make up, up, up to a million dollars for a, or more for you know taking out yeah. a target. So you'd think uh, you'd think there'd be more. Um, sometimes you know, but like I'm glad to see that the the mission prices are going up, and I'm sure some of that has to do with the reputation too. Um. So, so um, in in terms of what's been going. Sorry, I'm getting a little distracted. Um, Seagar, we can hear your mouse or your, oh, your keyboard oh. quite a bit. Uh, I hear you pecking away at the mechanical. <laughs> um, <That's> better? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little, lot better actually. Um, for some reason, I'm like a little ADD today. Uh, so last week we had an inside star citizen that was all about capacitor gameplay and missile operator mode. So that was interesting, actually. Um, 
they mentioned that capacitor gameplay essentially has some sort of buffer of a a power reserve that you can uh, use towards something, Uh, you know, whether it's weapons, shields, or or whatever the case may be. Uh, The whole idea behind the capacitors is they want combat to have more um, decisions than just what components do I put on and what what do I overclock before the fight. Um, So, you know, it seems to be trying to focus on short bursts of activities versus, you know, trying to blast through everything. Mm-hmm. Right. I will say I don't, based on my experience of that episode, I still don't quite know how it's going to work. Um, but I'll hold my judgment till I see it in action. I think the second half of the episode was even more interesting in my part, in my mind, uh, cause they talked about missile operator mode. Um, and so now if you're in a single seater fighter, you can only either operate weapons or the missiles at any given time. So you'd have to switch the modes. Whereas this enables multi-crew ships to delegate um, these missile operator modes to someone else. So the co-pilot mm-hmm. can actually start you know, locking and firing missiles while the pilot's still using the guns. Um uh, the indicator also ga- gives you a better idea of how well uh, you've been able to lock a missile, uh, as well as the likelihood that the missile will hit. You can shoot volleys of missiles and select how many you want. Um, and then missiles have been converted to IFCS2, which means that you know they're moving a lot more naturally. They have fuel and actually have three different phases um, by which they go after their targets. Um, Seaguard, what what did you think of the episode? I thought that was a great episode. I like the idea of starting to be able to actually differentiate roles within the ship. Um, I thought the picture of the constellation firing those missiles at an angle and then them shooting off was just amazing. Um, Agreed. You know, the they, they launch up in the air, which I never liked the little wing-mounted ones that fold out. I always liked those hull-mounted ones they have on top. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a great, uh, great rundown. A great. Uh, I'm excited to see that stuff. Yeah, me too. Uh, Chekhov, what about you? I did not catch this one. I have to say. Oh, I it's a good one, Chekhov. Yeah, oh, it's I'm a good have one. Catch up. The other thing that I didn't mention actually that is important to know because this is coming in three fourteen, but. In addition to that, one of the operator modes that we're used to already is going to be able to be delegated to other seats, which is the scanning functionality. So this might be more fun for some of our mining searches. You know, you might have someone piloting a ship, someone else scanning. But I also, the the ships that I think are going to benefit from this massively are going to be ships like the Cutlass where it's only got one other seat. And so you can now the co-pilot could start scanning for you if you're using it for something that's not combat related, or if it is combat related, the co-pilot can spam missiles while you're using the main guns. And then you still can have someone else in the other guns. So, you know, you could have three seats of fun. So, but did you say that it's either one or the other, meaning that pilot will not be able to control missile and guns at the same time? 
Yeah, so the the pilot would have to enable, they'd have to go into missile operator mode, which means they won't be able to fire their other weapons. Oh. But so that that would be true only for multi-seaters, right? Single-seaters, obviously. Yeah. Still the same, yeah. No, no, on a on a on a single-seater, you still have to move to missile operator mode in order to use it. So, so again, missiles or or gun that can be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how could it be so? So that that you know, fi- the PvP PVE changes completely. I mean. Uh, that's so that's what I'm excited about is because now now it, it enables even more ability for multi cruise ships versus you know single seaters. Right, that's true. But if you like single seaters, so you're forced to you you're stuck with only two types of gameplay. In other words, either I'm gonna the using missiles only or guns only, or because I mean in a true PvP, I don't think you have time to switch during the fight. Well, you'll be able to switch the, quickly. Well, I guess yeah. If you do some hotkeys, okay. Right. Yeah, it should be in. It should be connected to a hotkey. It should be like pretty easy. I don't think it's like MFD. Yeah, I, but I, I still I don't see the logic behind that. On a on a multi seater, I I get it, but on a single seater, like why would you do that? I think it's yeah. to make. I think it's to make multi cruise ship. Well, I actually I can't speak to. Why specifically? Um, with the exception of perhaps they're now using mouse controls that were normally used by guns. So it yeah. enables them to do more with a quick, you know, like hmm. maybe you target lock with the right button and shoot with the left instead of having to use that middle scroll wheel. Which also makes you end up having you end up zooming <laughs> constantly, yeah. and you're like, "No, I didn't mean to do that." <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but it should be it should be interesting to see how that plays out. And capacitors seem interesting, but I'm still a little unsure. Um, and then Star Citizen Live was Chekhov in my favorite style. It was a game dev. Um, mm-hmm. Now, granted. Jeremiah Lee was the person, and it's almost always at least fun to watch him and um, him and Disco Landau banter. <laughs> um, but you know, in this in this episode, he did a he did a concept of an old school um, flight suit from the UEE pre UEE Navy. That was cool. Um, yeah, actually, I actually like that one. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so. Uh, Seagard, did you watch the whole thing, or did you catch clips of it? I I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched a big portion of it. And I, you know, I definitely like um, I definitely like that oxygen mask inside the bubble helmet kind of look. Um, yeah, I thought that was cool, and the bulbous helmet. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I have a feeling we'll get to see that just like we did the uniform. Yeah, last year. What about Chekhov? Did you actually watch that episode, huh? I no, well, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. You know, generally oh, those like things kind of bore me. Yeah, I yeah. was just like, okay, I get it. But yeah, those I'm not that. Ex- I mean, it's interesting, but definitely don't excite me. You know, watching an hour of him yeah. painting uniforms. Agreed. <clears throat> Agreed. He's the most interesting to watch only because he he works so quickly. But I still just I just can't bring myself to do it. I have better things to do um 
This week should be interesting. Well, first of all, we don't know what ISC is about, so they haven't mentioned it. We just know it's coming. Um, and then Star Citizen Live will be a Q&A with um, a couple folks, and it's all about military vehicles. So that's going to coincide with Invictus Week. Should be interesting. Um, and then I think the most exciting thing is tomorrow we're going to see another roadmap drop. With the release view for Q1 of 2022. So, womp, womp, womp. We'll see what that brings. Um, now, uh, 3.13.1 is still in the PTU. Um, but I will say there have been some sneak peeks um, by some people who have done the playtests of the event. Uh, for Fleet Week, uh, so uh, there have been a lot of videos of the Bengal tour, the Javelin tour, rather, uh, as well as the Bengal flyby. Um, and then we also got a little sneaky peeky of the next uh, ship that'll either be flyable or airing concept, more likely, which is the RSI Scorpius, which is a, um, I believe it's a heavy fighter. Or a medium fighter, one of the two. And it looks like Star Citizen's answer to the X-Wing. Has anyone seen any of those little leaky peakies come through? I saw a little of them, but I didn't really watch it because I don't like this. I don't like the spoilers. Yeah. Mm, nope. No, did not catch that one. Oh, none of them, huh? <laughs> well, none that's of them. good because you'll, you'll be surprised when you get to see it. Um, you know, that... I'm assuming either the Scorpius will go on sale this weekend or closer to the end of the the fleet week, but we'll see. Um, there was also a reputation AMA, um, and you could find a full summary of that online uh, on you know RSI. However, um, they did talk just as a summary about how right now we're in the initial version of reputation. Um, and how eventually reputation will gate the types of missions and jobs you'll have access to. It'll degrade over time. So, you know, orgs that you're friendly with, if you don't interact with them often, they'll start to lose interest in you. And orgs that are kind of not so friendly with you uh, will eventually um, not have a grudge against you after a long period of time. Uh, the there was a discussion around types of ships that you have and what you wear and all those types of things will affect your reputation. So for example, if you're traveling with a VIP, you probably don't want to roll in with the cutty black unless for some reason they needed to be um, sort of hidden. Uh, they confirm that missions are the main focus in the sandbox. So they want to have as many robust varieties of missions and that they'll be creating missions and reputation for all different professions. Um, they want missions to balance time, commitment, and difficulty with reward. And they did mention things like, um, you know, different tiers of rep would allow you to get special perks within non-player org membership. Um, and they also talked about how, for example, um, there's going to be guilds and orgs around pirates and bounty hunting and, um, they'll impact one another. So if you're in a bounty org, the pirate org might shoot you on the spot if you're within their um, within their uh, locale. Um, and last but not least, they talked about um, 
having larger scale missions that orgs can take a part in the they did mention the the idea of having the ability to bribe like paying off a bouncer to get into a club uh, as well as um, the fact that grinding for rep should have a lot of diversity involved so you shouldn't have super repetitive missions um Seagard, you mentioned that you re- uh, had read through this. Any anything stand out to you as exciting? Not as exciting? It must have not been that exciting. No, I had my mute. Seagard, so yeah, yeah I figured. Uh, yeah, I like the um, a couple things. Did uh, certainly the fact that your individual rank, you know, your number one, your your ability to get a mission of great value will depend on your reputation, including bad reputation or good reputation, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It goes in both both areas. Um, The other one I liked is the fact that, you know, the system over time has you basically center back to neutral. If you do nothing bad and you're the worst of the worst, you will eventually be forgotten by time and you will just be a nobody with no real bad reputation. Um, on the other hand, if you're the hero of the heroes and you don't keep doing that, you can't really rest on your laurels. You've got to, you know, keep up the effort. And the farther out on the edges you are, the harder it is to get a, become a brighter star. And it's harder to move from the worst of the worst to the middle. Um, you know, it, it's hard going backwards from being a criminal. Right. So I thought that yeah. was well balanced. Um, and I think the way they're describing the play between an individual's reputation and the org's reputation, I like it. I think there's some things they talked about that they still need to work on, which is, will the ship retain your reputation? If you lend it out to somebody, does is there a factor in that? You know, uh, if you got the Titanic mm-hmm. and you're the captain for the week and it's somebody else's, are you going to be, you know, ridiculed as the, the mystery ship that always is going to sink or, you know, how is that going to work even though you're not the owner? So, yeah, so I thought it was good. I thought it was a good Q&A. Okay, cool. Um, what about you, Chekhov? Did you get a chance to see Yeah, it? Yeah, same here. I thought, uh, you know, it was good. So your reputation is great. I think that opens up a lot. And I, it's completely different than it was, and you know, it's a, but but it is very challenging to maintain it because I noticed, you know, I climb and then I, uh, like especially like when I abandoned the mission, that really hurt me. So you really have to watch <clears throat> what you're doing with it. But it's um, yeah. a lot of opportunity to. I, I think it's going to be the highest earning potential as you build up your reputation. Yeah. I also like that they talked about how your org um, could get a positive or negative reputation with NPC factions. So, you know, based on the collective of our our org, you know, Ninetales might hate us, you know, or at the very least dislike us, um, you know, and that that, that can be impacted, which also means... You know, you kind of have to have, you know, we have some pretty solid guidelines to go by. Um, but, 
that that means a lot of orgs are going to have to do that because our rep has some level of being shared. You know, what we all do could impact the others. Oh, I just exploded. Um, I don't know how. Anyway, uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. Um, the other thing uh, that uh, we got a, a tidbit of this week, or last week rather, I'm pretty sure unless I missed it, was a post about this month in general. And they did talk about Invictus launch week and there's going to be the free fly. But I think the most exciting thing for us to look forward to is that update from Tony Z on the quantum simulation. So we don't know when it's coming, um, but I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um, yeah, his stuff is amazing. And I know you are check off because you find it immensely interesting. Oh, yeah. So much. <laughs> um so that brings us to wow we're we're breezing through but believe it or not we have a lot to react to afterwards so don't be surprised if this isn't a super short episode um it, but it does bring us to everyone's favorite segment and i i don't think we need we don't even need to pose the question it's time for science that's right oh we need hey. music just the music, everybody. Listen to it in your heart. You know, every time I hear the music, I start forgetting what I did for science for the whole week. Because <laughs> you, you do like a little jam, is that it? Yeah. Um, well, Seagard, why don't you kick us off? Did you do anything for science this yeah, past week? Yeah, we did do. I mentioned that, you know, that flight out to Invictus. Um, there was only four of us and, you know, four ships. So, you know, I'd hope there would be more, but it was just a, a bad, you know, people had stuff going on. But, the, you know, Fish and uh, and uh, Homington and myself and um, I'm forgetting. Um, oh, Jim Jangles. Uh, took you know four ships out and we had to do some um jumps together in a, in a formation originally we were going to try to catch a video of it of us coming out of you know the the jump together as we headed into new babbage and pictures of us going into it so we just did it with still shots as we finished each phase but one thing we noticed was that over a short distance the ships would stay in a very tight formation. And we're talking 100 yards apart. We tried to get it as close as possible um, so that we could still align without bumping each other, but we could take good shots. And Jim Jangles was great doing all the photos. Um, uh, and then when we did the longer jumps, it was – so you have, you have a reclaimer. So we're in a diamond formation. We have a carrick at the front. We had a caterpillar on the left. We had a, a reclaimer on the right, and then me and the hammerhead at the back. Um, and we were all pretty close. And when we jumped to New Babbage from Hurston, we ended up, the reclaimer and the Carrick ended up exactly in the same position they were before, side by side, perfectly. But the hammerhead and the caterpillar ended up spread out way to the left, I think we we're between one and two kilometers each. I think I was closer. Yeah, I was closer than 
homing team was farther out in the Caterpillar. And it's just interesting you get that much discrepancy between two ships out of the four, but two of them stayed perfectly together. And now we all stayed generally online, though. You know, none of us was out in front of the others. It, pretty much the formation was exactly the same. We were just offset to the left. So I thought that was interesting. Um, not really sure what that was about. Um, we all jumped to the same beacons. In fact, we jumped in formation with one guy spooling up and pulling the rest of us. So that was our little bit of science. Um, it's yeah. harder than you think, but it's pretty cool to do. Interesting. Yeah. So unusual. You, it, the inconsistency always yeah. baffles me. Um, Chekhov, what about you? I don't know if I could say anything we did per se for science, but we did a lot of, uh, we, we, we explored the caves, you know, the bigger caves. So one thing I have to say that, um, I mean, it's a very sort of, I guess it's safe and benign activity, picking up flowers and other organic matter. I'm not even sure what it, what it is, but I don't want to say what it looks right like. To yeah. But it's not, it's it's not bad. It looks like what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's really not bad. I mean, you pick up a bunch of this stuff, you know, you, you could sell it. I mean, I think full rucksack was like uh, 20K. Yeah. So it was just something to do, you know, walk around, explore in the cave. And yeah, it was fun. Now, yeah. did the cave... Did it stay like what? What kind of entrance did the cave have? Oh, you could you could fly into those. Yeah, we took a cutlass red, so in uh -huh. case we fall and break our legs, we could respawn. Yeah, we had a cutlass red inside that cave. Because I, I, funny enough, I haven't explored the caves yet at all. Um, did the did the cave opening kind of, or did the cave stay kind of open to flight or did it at some point like cut you off at the chamber or something? No, no, it totally stays open. But we had one day, uh, we had some uh, griefers that were sitting right on top of the cave and they wouldn't let anyone leave. So the second oh, you no. try to exit, they would shoot you down. So that was yeah. an interesting experience too. Oh no. Check off. Um, while this might not be for science, I think this other thing that happened to you was really funny. Can you tell everyone about the MPC at the refinery? <laughs> That's true. So I go, I went into a refinery and I uh, put in my, my work order and I was really in a hurry. So I, I ran out of the door, I make a left and bump into the MPC or he bumps into me, but bumps me so hard that I hit the rail and flip right over and fall down and died. So I, I thought that, that was that was really funny. <laughs> and I oh, haven't even been able to jump over the rail. Fall. Yeah. <laughs> I know. How do you like my color combination? Yeah. Chekhov is sporting a combo of it looks like the is that the undersuit? It's the, it's the Arctic white undersuit. Of yeah, the Voyager, yeah. rest of the gear, and then the Avis helmet, and it kind of gives that little white accent. So, yeah, and cool. red, no less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes, it goes okay together. I'm not a huge fan of of. Um, well, as you can tell, I like uniformity. 
Yeah, yeah I do so too. I I have the full Voyager look. Um, uh, yes, you do. That's just me. I've always had it. Well, since I've had it, that's what I, my go-to has been. I just like it. It's so classy. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't done of, anything for science. I just thought of <laughs> you something just thought of for what? you. I just <laughs> thought of something that happened uh, on that trip to Invictus. And by the way, I just posted those who were under the uh, Citizen Spotlight. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're, the four of us, I wanted to get kind of a picture of us, you know, quantuming down to New Babbage over the city. And, you know, that would be really cool. And it was great. So Fish is in the reclaimer. And uh, mm-hmm. and we quantum in, and it's a short jump. So we're all in formation. And then I'm at the back, and all I can hear, all I can see is the reclaimer just falling like a brick. <laughs> Because he's not in vertical mode. His thrusters are straight behind him because he's coming out of quantum. He fell probably within three or 4,000 feet of the surface before he got his engines aligned and everything powered back up to, to keep him from hitting the ground. But it was so funny. It was just the brick. <laughs> oh, uh, so funny. Um. <laughs> I'm just picturing Harder, it right now. It's, the, it's the hardest ship to fly. There's no doubt about it. It's fun. Plus, Chekhov's crawling on the ground. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you'd think you'd think by now that I mean, it has a large docking collar. You'd think they'd have that as one of the dockable ships. Hopefully, think, hopefully soon enough. Yeah, hopefully soon. It's uh, I love it. I think it's you know it's there's definitely some tricks you got to learn to fly it, and then uh, any high winds you're. You're probably going to end up on your back like a, an insect. Yeah. You know, so. Funny enough, granted this isn't for science, but when I was rock mining yesterday, I was mining on Magda, and I roll off my Carrick ramp, and as soon as I do, my Carrick gets pulled by the wind and ends up on, on its roof. Um, so I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to keep mining. Magda's pretty good because you, your body temperature doesn't change. So when right. I'm using the Rock DS, I don't have to keep going in the driver's seat to to reclaim, you know, reduce my temperature or change my temperature. Um, it, it could have been worse. You could have been stuck in the Hurston Canal. You know, and then you would yeah, have been arrested right. by local, you know, Hurston authorities. You would shut down shipping mm-hmm. from the whole planet. A hundred percent. I think. Um, I think he's a newbie. He really likes what I'm doing. He looks like a newbie. Hello, everybody. Hello, newbie. Just saying hello <laughs> to the newbie. Oh, um, speaking of uh, bugs and sciences, is anybody having an issue with the med pens? Um, have you did, have you been working them properly? Just, yeah, they just don't seem to work. Period. What do they not equip in your hand and then? Yeah, I mean, you could take them out. You visually see them, but you cannot uh, in- inject anything. What do you What are you trying to do to inject yourself? Uh, well, you take it out with a C, and then you press the left mouse to activate. Yeah, okay. I believe, right? Yeah. I I don't know. I haven't needed one since, so I was just asking a bunch of questions for no good reason. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, I'm gonna try it right now. Um, so last week, Seaguard posed a really interesting question 
that he wanted everybody to answer. It was essentially, if I could distill it down, um, is it better for an org to, or will an org make more money with one big ship or multiple little ships or single, single ships? Um, so uh, we first posted that to Twitter. Um, where we actually got 53 votes, which is pretty high engagement for us on Twitter because it's not, pretty good. not a big platform for us. Um, 10% didn't care. 11% didn't know. 26% thought a large single ship would be more profitable. And 53% felt that multiple smaller ships would be. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting balance. It's very interesting. And then there was a lot of banter. Um, you know, Thoughtful Wanderer said, how about a mixture of small, medium, and large ships? If so, I, I choose that as my option. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, Revan Parker said, well, does that large ship have the possibility to house smaller, uh, multiple smaller ships? It could. Um, it could. Yeah. That's a, that's could, a very valid could. thing. Yeah. Uh, Rolo Kip says, multifaceted question, more flexibility for varied play schedules to have small ships. Bigger ships fully crewed equals geometric increase in efficiency. In-game UEC profits versus meta fun profits. Focus your fleet on your target org style. My advice. That's, and then he actually showed some fleets. That's exactly. Um, that actually is the way I think about the org is that. We yeah. have to focus and then fill the seats on the ships that we choose as the right mix. Um, yeah. it's it, And there's also the, the equation that's, you know, I had to simplify it uh, for the question, but there's also the equation of we have groups that, you know, in our org that max out mods on every ship and, you know, to get the most out of it. But that increases the expense of that ship and its replacements cost and, you know, how long mm-hmm. it's going to take to get it back into functioning at its peak role and the cost it's going to incur on the the, the org to do that. Whereas a mm-hmm. standard mole might be very efficient. It might be 75% of the efficiency of a tweaked one, um, but it can be replaced, you know, in minutes. So, yeah, these are all factors. And that's why I did ask that. People thought about it and that's good. It's all good impact. That's got a, all good input. The, the other thing, too, to keep in mind is um, now that we've had the AMA, certain ships might have a better reputation. Someone might say, you mean you're Ooh. flying out there with a 315? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. Um, other comments on Twitter. Uh, Guyon Na says, none of the above during Alpha over the next 10 years because Alpha UEC means nothing. Um, whereas Rolo was sort of like, yeah, yeah, AUEC means nothing, but two things will persist from this time of growth. The skills we learn, the friends we make. Ah. So running a single large ship as a team will pay dividends, as will coordinating a fleet of smaller set ships. Yep. Just my old man's opinion. Right. Um, and then finally, all good responses. Uh, totally agree to get the best of both worlds, get a Kraken or a Kraken privateer, big ship team 
gameplay with the added benefit of courting a group of smaller support ships. So that was on Twitter. Um, and then um, obviously now we started posing these questions in uh, Discord as well. Um, and MG said, tell Seaguard that in my opinion, it depends on the time you want to invest. Small ships can get easier things done faster. On the other hand, big ships can achieve harder, riskier things that have much better pay, um, a much better payout. But you need to invest time and have the manpower. Totally agree. Yeah. MG. Totally. Yeah. Um, our homeboy Canuck uh, also said, if the ship is a large ship but is designed to make UEC and assist other smaller ships in making the UEC, then I would say that a large logistical mining ship, for example, would be necessary for an org to support the other members who are working together. However, if the ship is a large military-style ship that is not designed to actually make UEC, but rather, but rather, <laughs> but rather requires... <laughs> other operations and efforts in order to cover its operating costs, then the use of that ship would depend on the theater of operation. If an org is in a region where there's a very high profit margin, but it's so dangerous that without the presence of a large military ship, operations cannot happen, then the cost of running that ship is just calculated into the cost of operating. However, if the org is operating in an area that is profitable without the requirement of a large military ship, then the margins would probably work out to be the same. So the answer would be, it depends on the ship and what you want to do as an org. Great yeah. response. Yeah. Um, all these things, it sounds like, I, I feel like Tony Z is answering the question now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I are, know. These are good. And, you know, a big part of this was, I, I did kind of want to get the discussion going on this because a big part of it is I'm pontificating all these things in my style that I do, try to, you know, try to come up with a way for the org to, you know, get a foothold and really start moving as an organization. Um, yeah. But one of the things I wrestle with is, is that, you know, we actually have more large ships than we have um, P players, never mind the yeah. ability to crew them all. Right. Uh, and that's because, you know, a, a couple of us did go out there and just our kids will never go to college and our third child will never be bored because we sold our eggs or whatever you know, to, to get our ship. <laughs> but uh you know, the, I don't even the, want to tell you what I had to do. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but we have a lot of ships and, um, and it's, while it's great for one of us to go, Hey, I'm taking out my Carrick. It's not very much fun for a person who comes in with the Aurora and goes, well, all I got is an Aurora and I don't want to just hang around in your ship while you fly it all over and do all the work. That's not fun. So there has to be a balance of how do you get, you know, get other players to enjoy the play is it just pay them more credits or is it um, offer them, you know, uh, exciting adventures? You know, it's it's a lot. Or the option is we all just take a variety of ships and we never staff them fully and we never see their full potential. Um, there's a lot to balance. So uh, uh, the input is well appreciated. I think a full... I think it's it's really going to depend, but I do think that missions someday, right now for the most part, with the exception of some of the combat missions, which can get so hard that even multiple large ships um, aren't taking out 
targets. And in those instances, they're not as profitable as they should be yet. But I do get the sense that there's going to be missions that are going to require a certain type of ship. And, you know, if you want to take part in that mission, you want to be crew of that ship. I think that's what will facilitate that interaction. Right. Yeah. I think, I guess we'll see. I think that, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that's a very good point. Lots of fun to come though, either way. Yes. Agreed. Especially now that we're starting to hear about, you know, multi-crew seats. Um, another thing. So Boris Kraken, <laughs> who changed his name to Boris Kraken now, cause we keep going back and forth, uh, as to, to, is it Boris the barterer who's cracking? <laughs> it was um, the bartender, the barterer. It was the barterer, the butcher, the bartender, the baker, the candlestick maker, and then now the cracker. Right? <laughs> it's changed it three times, four times. So I guess I've only yeah. noticed it once, but uh, he also said that's correct. Uh, that's correct, Canuck. Uh, good example being the mine sentry laying ship, so the Nautilus. Um, and then Canuck also said, funny thing about space mines is space is 3d. So it's easy enough to go around them. I would think, um, I will say that they mentioned that part of the gameplay of the Nautilus is to sort of create a map of how you're going to lay the mines. So that seems like it could be cool. Uh, and then Boris also said, you'd have to lay a bigger field where they would home like a missile. Uh, I think sentries are a good idea for initial coverage on an industrial operation. So that was Seaguard's question. Seaguard, what is the question for next what, week? What did we talk about? <laughs> was that what we mentioned earlier? Uh, yeah, it's sort of tied to this. Um, I can't remember what the, I was talking about. I read it off to you guys or I thought about it. Can you remind me of what it was so I can elaborate? It was essentially. Um, <laughs> Get me in the rough area. And I'll remember. It was essentially around. Oh, it was around the idea that how would you sort of cycle? Ships, oh, that's right. right? So that's right. That's right. Um, so I'm a so I'm a fan of having a set number of ships in the org. Even though you might have a hundred to choose from, you basically commission a ship and you announce its, you know, its arrival. And and I actually do that in our org, as many of the listeners probably know. I say, you know, Reed has just purchased a you know new caterpillar out of the, you know, the docks of you know, blah 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 harbor, and it's on its way for its shakedown cruise with a new captain. And and I list off who, you know, who I assign in logistics group to that to that crew. Um, just for, just for feel and, and things like that. Um, but so the question is, is that if we all have, okay, wake back up, uh, check Yeah, off. Hang on. Did, did you, did you just snore check off? Yeah, I think you did. No. Check off snore? No. Or, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the, the question goes to this with so many big ships. How does everyone, you know, how does everyone feel the ship should be rotated? Uh, do you play the same, you know, person's ship every week, or do you rotate? Do, do you prefer rotating captains, and it's, you know, or is it, uh, 
too much to bother with, which I know a lot of people answer with. And you just play what you got. But think about mostly in the form of a big events, right? Um, Geeky and I both have Carrix. He's the exploration guy. I would generally say, Geeky, take your Carrick out. But then he has friends in his division who have Carrix. So what does Geeky do? Does he say, I'm not going to fly mine today. We'll fly yours. Um, well, I'm never so, going to fly mine. <laughs> that's right. So I'm a fan personally of not flying when pretty much when I'm in a group of individuals in, in my org. I uh, If I fly a ship, it'll be a small ship. Or if someone says, who wants to fly and no one wants to fly, I'll fly because I like to fly. What is your preferred method of uh, figuring out which ship should be used? Uh, you think the little guy should be, not the little guy, the new guy should be able to do the fun things and fly the big ships or bring their ships when they get a chance and all the old timers pile on? What's your choice or preference? That was about as yeah, clear as I'm, mud, wasn't it? No, it's pretty clear. It's, it's definitely not going to be a tweet. Um, cause I don't think we have tweetable yeah. selections for that. Um, so, you know, just like with any other thing, you can always answer this through email questions, submit a voice message, text us, um, and all that stuff will be talked about later in the episode and it's in the notes. Um, if, if I could just react how I think of it, sure. I sort of think about it and you mentioned sort of commissioning a ship, like I picture, different scenarios where like maybe maybe i want to do a mission that i know is a larger mission and i have the rep for it but i need the crew and so in that instance i might say hey i'm putting down all the monetary investment to do this exploration mission but i need a crew who wants to join me and in that instance crew up I'm putting the investment. I'll captain the ship. Someone else will fly it. Ideally, someone from logistics. Ideally, someone who's flown a Carrick before. Because, you know, the idea is you want people to get some side of training, some sort of training. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I would definitely help with, like, lending my ship out for flight training um, in advance of missions like this. Um, but uh, hopefully someday they can create I bet you, and it would be amazing, hopefully in-game, they'll create, um, you know, we have those sim pods. Hopefully they'll create flight simulations of all the different ships. Yeah. Well, Arena Commander technically is a flight simulation of all the different ships, and you will use a sim pod to, to play it, so. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I, I like your idea. I mean, that's pretty much how I think it's it's a good balance right there. Is that you know, as the leader, if not, finance we're just an event. Yeah, and, and there are some days someone goes, "I just want to take my nap." Okay, that's fine. Um, but I think that's a that's my preferred method too, is to kind of let the the others do the things um, that they they want to do, and they don't have the ships to do it with. So you let them do it with yours and, and you coordinate the event, which is typically what we do. You typically are coordinating yeah. the event and its actions. So, but I feedback also, from others on the ideas is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to hear your thoughts, folks. Um, I will 
um, repost the question in our question channel, um, probably either tonight or tomorrow. Um, and now we did get a few questions. We got the classic Canuck four. Um, Canuck four. That Good. sounded like a Good. board game. <laughs> uh, so, and th this was on our discord. The first question he asked is going back a week in radar and scanning, scanning, how would you like to be able to control what shows up on your passive and active scans? Would you like to be able to simply filter what shows up individually? Or would you like to have dedicated scanning radar modes in some sort of preset system? So you'd um, have a drop down list and choose combat scanning mode or a mining scanning mode or and omni-scanning mode, how much control is enough? Well, Seagard, how much control is enough? I think I think that your equipment should be geared to your, your type of play, right? So if you're a miner, you should be geared primarily uh, with radar, uh, you know, a sophisticated mining type scan radar and a general navigation radar that any ship might have, right? Any commercial ship might have. Um, whereas if I'm in a fighter, I would want something that definitely can identify all the targets, friend from foe, very much in line or past what our modern day fighters can do, right? Track one or more multiple targets and, uh, which is kind of why I like the, uh, one of the origin 325A, it's supposed to be able to target multiple fire, multiple missiles at multiple targets simultaneously. So radar specific for the mission and general radar for navigation. Okay. Um, Monsieur Chekhov. Yeah. Everything is, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, it's a good, uh, question. I would, uh, certainly. Can you repeat the question, please? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was waiting to see. I was waiting to see if you no, read it. I, I just want to make sure. I, I heard it, but I just want to clarify. It felt like you were starting to go down a path, and you were like, wait a yeah. second, where am I? Where are those breadcrumbs? Um, essentially, he's asking, how how much do you want to be able to filter passive, passive oh, scanning, yes, yes, passive yes, radar? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, oh, as much as possible, I think it's great because this way, you know, right now, you know, if you're doing mining, it'll be great to be able to just to zoom into a specific material that I want to mine for that day, you know, and that's just one example being mining. I mean, I'm sure you could do, find many more examples when it comes to bounties and, and when you're up against enemies uh filtering out specific to see specific planes you know there there are a lot of them out there specific ships so yeah as much as possible i'll take it all yeah i mean it, it makes sense like if if we're running an exploration ship shocker that we always go to this because it's a major tenant of what we do but we might want to only be looking for derelicts um, you know, people who might be in trouble, 
So distress beacons, we might be looking for interesting asteroids, mineral deposits, jump points, whatever we might possibly be able to pick up on our scanners. Mm-hmm. Um, but we might not want to look for, but we still might want to know about potential ships in the region. Right. So I don't You know what? I would love a way to actually look through those scans in a way that's meaningful outside of just seeing the content blob. So now, you, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I did get the sense that once a blob shows up, you can more deeply scan it. And depending on the ship, like, you know, I picture like the, the high, the long distance telescope of an endeavor can probably pick up a lot of phenomena within a giant blob and figure out, you know, where you want to send your Carricks and your, and your Connie's and such. See, and I, I, the way I answered, I was assuming that all ships would have some kind of navigation capability. Let's oh, say. 100%. Right, that's one piece. The second part is that yeah. we were talking about passive versus active and passive. Uh-huh. If you're passive, you know, you're passive, the low end should be, they should have less, they should be more nearsighted. The high end one should be... Yeah farther have farther vision in the passive mode 100 percent. and also there should be a split between the quality maybe you can see long distance but you can't get a lot of resolution but yeah. some you know some can get better resolution but they're even more expensive right and maybe they lose some of the nearsightedness maybe they can't focus on a single rock and determine its contents very well um yeah you know that's kind of how I looked at it. Yeah. And I guess, I guess in other words, like one of the part components of that question was, you know, how about like a drop down list that says combat scanning mode or mining scanning mode or omni scanning mode. I don't think there's a scenario that I wouldn't want to know about potential targets that could be attacking me, even if I'm trying to mine really carefully, especially if I'm in a prospector, for instance, that, it's going to need to want to know about that before the, the assailant knows, because quite frankly, by the time the assailant's after you, you're probably in trouble. Yeah. If he sees you, you're, you're, you're done. You want to be able to turn off all of your systems and go, you know, hide behind a rock so that they pass you by. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, his next question is um, talking about big ships again. Should CIG make game loops that would allow capital and subcapital military ships or even personal pleasure ships like the 890 Jump to be profitable or at least break even? Or should those ships require other means of revenue to operate? Uh, put another way, should a Javelin be able to have missions that pay enough to cover most of its operating costs or even turn a profit? Or should a player have to do other in-game things to make enough money to cover the cost of taking out their javelin on a weekend for some maneuvers? What do you think, Seaguard? Should big ships be able to pay for themselves? Um, it's interesting. I think the... <clears throat> it's funny. I think that the smaller the ship is, the more it should be able to pay for itself. Uh, I know that sounds a little crazy, but when you get into the bigger ships, especially the military side, uh, 
you're really talking about the intimidation factor, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they've got massive signatures, not, you know, well, let's put it this way, you know, the dreadnought, the HMS dreadnought, the, the old, you know, first of the dreadnoughts in the world did not hide the fact that it was called the dreadnought. <laughs> you know, it, it opened the broadcast <laughs> it. Come and take some. You, know, you want a piece of me? Let's go. Right. I mean, being big, bag and big, big, bad and ugly actually can be a deterrent, right? Um, yeah. But that is also expensive. And those ships represent truly, you know, a national investment, like an aircraft carrier. Yeah. It's these are not these are not cars we're talking about. These are literally national investments. Um, and that's you know, that's what brought around the battleship era and the dreadnoughts. I mean, this race of expenses. So for yeah. me, um, little ships should be a, like a civilian ship should be a, a efficiency versus money gain. In other words, I get in my Aurora ES, it should be very efficient for me to drive from one place to another with low expense, high reliability. When I get in something like a 350R, I should expect that I should be able to win and compete in races effectively and win, but with an associated maintenance cost, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just run it to the ground. And on the military side, if you if you bring something that costs a lot, it should generally do pretty well and only be really unsurmountable or beatable with something that's comparable or when it's outnumbered and 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 outmaneuvered tactically right different tactical um strategies or local tactics were applied yeah um, so less effective and high end for the dollar um spent but obviously the more you spend the better it is okay what about you clear. No, I think yeah, I think it's all should be relative to the size. Yes, definitely. I uh, the 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 bigger ships have to be proportionate. Uh, I mean, the earnings in them would have to be. Uh, otherwise, it would not make any sense. I mean, just as a pleasure craft, yeah. If you want to just move people around, there. Um, but overall, yeah, I would say. It needs to match the earnings ability. Yeah. You know, I, well, first of all, I would separate out something like the 890, which is supposed to have associated gameplay with VIP transportation, and I would imagine should come with that level of rewards. I think there's a couple factors. One, now that we've been talking about the reputation system, how's that layer on to things? So... For instance, there may be missions that could potentially use a javelin, but you're going to have to be able to work your way up to that. Um, And even so, they probably will not be anywhere near as profitable for the individuals on the ship as maybe something that you can do in a smaller craft. Uh, The question is, how's the game going to incentivize people to use these giant ships that some people have paid thousands of dollars for. And so I do think the game has to find a way to make them meaningful. Um, 
besides just being really fun to use because let's face it, it sounds like they're going to be extremely expensive. And so the, if the risk is there, there has to be a way to find the reward. Right. And I have no idea how well, they're going to do that. Well, I mean, some of it is, you know, like, um, I, I would believe, I would have to believe that there will be a mission chain that, you know, yes. you're an Aurora person and you're going to follow this mission chain and, and you're going to prove yourself as an able, you know, um, cargo carrier. So you're going to do the, you know, the, the standard delivery route and you're going to use the company Aurora and you're going to do this until you build your reputation up with that NBC company until they go, hey, you know what? We're going to let you drive a, uh, uh, you know, a freelancer. All right. You're assigned yeah. a freelancer, maybe even a, you know, a co-pilot that's an AI and you're going to run their missions. You're not investing your ship. You're investing your reputation is what you're building. Um, mm -hmm. And you're making, you're not paying for the ship. So what you're doing is pocketing the, some of the money to get your next ship. Um, it's for sort others, of like the T-Ship Pacheco mission. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, eventually, yeah, you could become a certified character, you know, or caterpillar flyer or pilot, right? Or captain. Um, in an org, we you have the advantage of you could do the same thing for somebody else if we can loan our ships to you. Right. That's one. And yeah. you know, you give us a cut of a cut of the profits on your ship and you know, you run out there and just maintain your rep. Um Yeah. So it, it's I think they'll I think they'll they'll do that. And other people will buy a Caterpillar and won't have anything to, to do with it. So they're going to be like that trucker who owns his truck and he just needs to carry the load. Um, yeah. And when he leaves, he takes his cab with him and leaves the trailer. Yeah. I, I also think the question <clears throat> will become, will there be, I think there will be opportunities where, Let's just say you find a big hall in Pyro. Like maybe there's just a spot where there's just a ton of asteroids that just are going to be high yield. You don't want to be a sitting duck. You bring an Idris. You know, yeah. maybe that's enough of a deterrent mm -hmm. or, or even better. I, I almost feel like a Kraken's a better solution only because it has some firepower, but also you can have multiple ships on it. And it could serve as a base of sort of like logistic op, like logistics ops, and and sort of even have a a, a better view of sort of the quote unquote battle. I think that's mm -hmm. the other thing that big ships like the Idris and Javelin will have is a lot better ability to command and control the battlefield, right? Which might impact things. You know, it's funny. Um, the other day, Nick was explaining the character to me, and. You know, I've been in this game since 2013 and uh, late 2012. Yeah, late 2012 and into 13. And it, I, I had always figured the Kraken was kind of a carrier. I never really thought of it as a logistics ship, as a base ship. And um, I think that sounds silly, but uh, I just never thought of it that way. I always thought of it as pirates, you know, launching off of it or fighters. And it's kind of like an Idris with a carrier deck. and um, as a logistician, a guy 
you know, in charge of that division, I think it's actually one of the ships I would consider getting now that's a large ship. Well, especially a privateer where it's essentially like a mobile rest stop. Yeah, but I would be using it more for like, let's say, hauling a bunch of transports to carry stuff down to the planet, right? It can carry the cargo and then shuttle. You can use the smaller ships to shuttle stuff down uh, as opposed to landing the big ship yourself. So it was just an interesting thought that never really dawned on me. I could see someone like Nick using it for maybe, depending on what you think you're going to need it for, having a couple of vultures on it and a couple of defensive ships. Right. And you use it as a place for industrial ops and defense. Right. Right. Especially because it can help refuel whatever ships go onto its pads. So it becomes the thing that quantums everything over to a region and jumps everyone there and then becomes a way to refuel. And then all you do is create a, you create a, um, like for instance, say it has a few mining ships on it and then a few defense ships. Then all you do is you create shipping lanes between the Kraken and wherever your endpoint is with starfarers and with, you know, transport ships. Right. And you could you could actually be a mobile base of operations for mining ops. Yeah, that's exactly the type of thing I was thinking about. Is that you know maybe you know mining ops, maybe one for legit cargo ferrying, right? Fuel yep. base for starfarers because uh, yeah. they can dispense the fuel, and smaller ships could then fuel off the carrier directly. Uh, it just became wow! I just never thought of that. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a cool ship. I think I also just like the way it looks. It makes me think of the um, the Walker in Star Wars Sandwalk Crawler. No, not the Kraken specifically. It makes me think more of like you know, like Shield, and they're they're oh, floating. They're yeah, like helicarriers. Yeah, yeah. Um. So next question. In Inside Star Citizen, capacity for battle. So we just talked about that uh, a while back um, with the capacitor gameplay and such. At a minute and 42 seconds, if you look at the power triangle, the guns and shields are set to zero and all powers and engines. Despite that, the guns and shields are up and recharging. Do you think this means that the capacitor is enough to run systems even with other power redirected and that they will be on top of of the triangle or do you think it's a quirk of their testing environment and nothing to see here? No, I think it's, it's exactly what they're saying is that, yeah. you know, you, you need, you need to maintain your shields, but you need to go faster. You flip your capacitors over to your shields and you direct your main power plant to the motors, right? Yeah. You want your, you know, cargo guys, that's what we're going to be doing is running. I'm not going to be dogfighting with you. I'm going to be running away, but I need those big beefy shields to stay up. So the capacitors would stay there. Yeah. Or maybe the capacitors are supporting my engines because I need to sprint for just a short time. Uh, but yeah, I think that's exactly what they mean. I think it's a great I, thing. I don't know. What about what about you, Chekhov? You, you didn't see the episode you said.
Beijing Chekhov. You must be on mute. Oh, actually, again, I was talking to myself. Oh, <laughs> for a second, I thought you were going to say, again, I fell asleep. You know, it must be that fresh lake air. <laughs> There'll be a lot of editing in this podcast. Oh, no editing. Uh, no, there won't. <laughs> You've uh, built yourself up a reputation for... I did. Can you well, ask me the question again? <laughs> I, I I think I think we should uh, probably skip the rest of the questions. Yeah. Maybe save some for next week. I, I'm putting them. I'm putting them asleep. I think we only have two more after this one. I'll be right. short answers um, on this one. Uh, well, I guess I'll answer since since Chekhov didn't see the episode anyway. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I well, think, yeah, the capacitors. Huh? Oh, no, I saw the capacitors episode, actually. That's the one I did see. Uh, that was great. Yeah. We talked about that ages ago. You were like, I didn't see episode. No. I, oh, okay. So I mixed it up. I thought they were two different. No, I definitely saw <laughs> the capacitor, and I thought it was great, great episode. I mean, I can't wait until that. that's in game. It's just... Yeah. Uh, Puts a whole different aspect on, on you know, dog fighting and, and everything. It's just another sort of uh, dimension that you have to control and yeah. uh, and plan it because that you know it's like like because right it's basically currently it's moving shields and power around and you don't feel it. But from what I understand, when you're controlling that, you you feel it immediately whether it's a thruster. Or well, it's like a, a whole ball of energy that you, you're getting a burst out of. Yeah. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, that that's the sense that I get, and I don't. I think, I think the triangle, and you know, who knows? Actually, this is why I was like, I'm kind of confused from the episode. Um, I think the triangle ultimately is going to impact the recharge rate of the capacitor, which gives you immediate energy. Right, because it it's I think of it as like batteries. Well, I hope so, because that's the sort of uh, intuitively the appropriate controller. You know, everything else yeah. you have to kind of flip through the tabs, find it. Uh, you know, uh, the item here. So literally, it's you know you can kind of mouse over it and start moving it. Yeah, and it's like you're sort of. I think at that point, then you're just favoring the, the which one recharges faster based on your immediate needs so if you find yourself needing more if you're trying to escape then obviously you're going to try and favor your um, engines but maybe maybe you want to favor your shield so that you escape more safely i don't know i guess it'll be interesting to see how that plays out um next thing that he says is Check out the ammo count on the GT220 Gatling. Did you notice that the count is only 199? Does that mean that as a way to offset power requirements and cooldown of energy weapons, CIG is toying with the idea of having ballistics limited magazines that will require reload times once depleted? So, for example, a GT220 would still have a max 
ammo count of 4,000 rounds stored in the ship magazine, but the active gun magazine would only load 200 rounds at a time, requiring reloads. By the way, the firing rate of the Mantis stays at 1,000 RPM. That would mean that the gun would need to reload every 12 seconds of sustained fire, if I'm right. Hmm. Seaguard? Um, I don't track that stuff that much. and I, I just... That one, I don't really He have did include a screenshot, essentially, of that yeah. as well. Um, you know, to me, this is sort of like, because I overclock weapons all the time, so and they overheat, so the, essentially, I'm, I'm feeling a similar effect, of not reloading, but I'm constantly, um, you know, I, uh, I fire at bursts, then I get the mm-hmm. uh, overheat warning, then I have to let go of the trigger, wait, so it, I guess reloading the guns would probably have a similar effect. Uh, it, um, well, uh, how how is it in the real world? I mean, do you? And I, I don't know if anybody knows. I mean, do you? Uh, your your uh, uh, you know bullets in a in a on a plane in a, in a fighter F eighteen. I mean, do you really reload or just sort of a constant supply? You run out. Right. Just like yeah. we do now, but there's no such thing as, uh, you know, I'm going to go in the back of the ship and, you yeah. know, retrieve a, you know, a box of bullets and put them back. Yeah. In. Not on the fighters. On the AC-130, you might be able to do that. You're going to load some ammo, but uh, no, most of, the, well, most of the ships don't have that. We also don't know that that means it's the ammunition count. That could be the power supply. That could be who knows. I see what he's saying, though, because it says 199, and then for the Panther repeaters, it says 35 and 35. But, I mean, that could just be before it um, it runs out of power. I don't know. You know, and it, maybe that's sort of like it just says that Gatling guns, because they're not lasers, don't use as much energy from the capacitors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a guess. Um, so those were all the Discord questions. Uh, via email, our, our friend Einvine's back. Einvine's oh, back. Okay. He said, sorry, sorry guys, I didn't send a question last week. I was parking my rock into my Nomad, and I forgot my whole question. <laughs> In reference to our friend Chekhov here. Uh, and then he did, a, he did an upside-down smiley face emoji. He said, it's a long one. Sorry. I just wanted to say something about how you make money doing PvP and about being a pirate-only reference I have is EVE Online, where I spent eight years of my life being a pirate. We made money from selling stuff um, from the ships that we blew up on gates dropped, mining in our system, and, of course, holding people at ransom. Always um, honoring it and letting them go if they paid. So we did make money and distributed amongst the corp based on the activity in game. Um, being a pirate should be a way of life thing, not something you get rich off of necessarily. I also sort of don't like the fact that pirates say they don't have content now. I don't actually think the content for being a pirate needs to be made. Pirate activities should be mostly player made. So they actually surprise other players when they fall into the trap. And also, 
Um, I think a way to help with random killing is if you aggress players in an area that is connected to UEE, for example, patrols should show you, oh, patrols should show up quickly and attack you and kill the aggressing ships. When armor aspect of ships comes in, it should help me hold out a bit longer in my C2 smiley face. Think the PVP slider would be a bit clunky though. By the way, I was in the PTU and inside the Javelin. Was that UC guard in the cafeteria mm-hmm. giving a history lesson about the ship? Is that your new job <laughs> that you've been talking about? That is my new job. <laughs> that is my new job. So, <laughs> so I guess let's um, react to what Ivine said. Um, you know, I see. You know, how can we react? Ahead. I already forgot, forgot the first part. That was a 500 word essay. <laughs> He apologized that it was long. I guess he was saying that there shouldn't be content or there need not be content for pirates because it's quote unquote way of life. No, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. That was actually well written. Yeah. And I, I I, I do like his approach. I, you know, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks back about, you know, and I remember specifically saying that, you know, piracy is a short-lived career. You know, they just didn't survive very long. And uh, because once they made themselves famous enough, the Navy came after them. And I think he's on to something there, um, especially with the Navy's response. I I don't know if it should be fast. I mean, it should be based on how far you, how close you are to the center of the area. I like the main activity of where the fleet operates. But... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you know if you're causing a minor nuisance and they show up, maybe with two F8 Lightnings or two Gladiuses, if the next time it'll be a, you know uh, two Hammerheads, and, and the time after that it might be you know a, a, you know, an aircraft carrier <laughs> with a battle group, but eventually you know, yeah. you gotta you gotta go quiet again. Um, and I think he's right to be a to be a successful pirate, you have to play it. And that's when it will be fun to be the the recipient, you know, of the of the gameplay. I mean, I, you know, if someone comes in and is very clever about how they board me, I, I think it's great gameplay. Uh, I think that's great gameplay. It's not griefing. You're there for a purpose. You got a plan, and you're executing. And if you're sloppy, and I could get away from you or stop you, that's even more exciting. Um, the only thing I didn't like about Eve was the fact that a pirate could bring in, you know, the equivalent of two of the Pegasus or three of the Pegasus at a jump point, and you're in a an Aurora. It's not really fun. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, so I, I I like your thoughts on this. Yeah, I agree. I, I I always said that you know there's definitely a place for pirates, and uh, as long yeah. as you don't come after me, I'm perfectly okay with it. You know, they, uh, you know, by consent, you know, you, well, I mean, PVP is by consent. Pirates really, you know, uh, so some kind of a, uh, you know, surprise element there. There is, you know, outsmarting the opponent, whether you get kidnapped, hijacked. I mean, I think it's all good. I mean, that's all in good fun. You know, of course, if you, you know, start griefing, that's kind of crossing the border, as we said before. But, uh, overall, you know, there's definitely a, uh, should be a place for pirate game, and he's right. 
you can you can create your own loops. You don't necessarily uh, need CIG, but uh, the problem there is when you're constantly walking that gray line, then you know it's a, it becomes somebody's sort of a opinion whether you're a pirate or you're a griefer. Where there's a specific game loop, then obviously you know what boundaries you stay within. Yeah, you know, one final thing on that one is, at least from my perspective, is that you know we hear this all the time. As the team, as the game progresses, it'll be less of an issue because things will be ironed out. And there'll be more detail. But one of the things they've always stuck to is the fact that there should be nine NPCs for every player, and that those NPCs and their ultimate rendition should be indistinguishable from a person. Um. And if you could do that within a ship and how the ship reacts, pirates are going to have a one in nine chance of PVP. Right. And if the combat is that good with an AI, are they really going to care? It's still going to be yeah. fun. It's still going to be fun. Yeah. We don't know if we're going to be aggressed as much from a player character as it could be, you know, an actual. AI. NPC. Yeah. You know, it it should be, like you said, that nine nine to one ratio. Um hashtag dynamic economy, hashtag, you know, Tony Z's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um awesome. So if you do have any any questions or comments to any of the questions we have, or anything you did for science, any ideas. Comments, concerns, feelings, thoughts, um, you know, you can submit them through a multitude of ways. Uh, you can email us at recastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle, readcastsc. Uh, you could submit a message through Anchor. Um, you could join our Discord and engage there, have some conversations, submit answers to our questions, ask questions. Uh, or you can text or leave a voicemail at 646-783-8154. Uh, and don't forget. Oh, go ahead, Seagard. Go ahead. Don't forget. And then I have a, I have a statement when you're done. Oh, sure. Like don't yeah. forget if you are looking to explore the verse with a crew that's respectful, law-abiding, fun, and geeky, um, check out READ. It stands for Research and Engineering through Exploration and Discovery. Yeah, we made it. Uh, All right. And sometimes sleepy. Right, so the one you thing I was going to say. So the, the thing I was going to say was that uh, instead of the question I put out earlier, let's switch the question. Let's ask mm -hmm. them what type of question they want. And let's, do they want something to talk about ship components they want some do you want which would they rather do talk about ships talk about ship components or gameplay okie dokie so for and your I'll come your up next with three questions I'll come mm -hmm. that'll well let's do that one for this week and I'll come up with one of each for next week or check off you guys can too I mean you know. well I'm upset I was totally ignored <laughs> What'd you say? No, no, no one answered my question. <laughs> what was your question, Chekhov? Oh, it was complicated. It was about the the joysticks. How much would they 
pay for the joysticks. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, no one, no one did answer that question. I know. That's and I did word. not. I could not retweet. I couldn't tweet it. So, you know. Sorry, Chekhov. Hey, sorry, I'm gonna have to rephrase it to kind of simplify it. Let's uh, let's if we have a hard time, let's write them out in advance. You know, it helps. It helps a lot. <laughs> so yeah. to repeat Seagard's new question, Seagard, you want to know if our listeners are most interested in questions around ships, ship compo- ship components, gameplay. Was there anything Correct. else I'm missing? No, I think those are three good categories. Instead of me, you know, going down pontification trail. If they want to do that, that's great. But I don't want everyone to get bored with it. I mean, we're what is a podcast if if not people pontificating about things? Right. But I'm hoping that other people want to hear them pontificate. And how many times can we say pontificate? That's right. I mean Mm -hmm. pontificate on that. Yes. Let me. Um, also, by the way, we do have other content creators in read. Uh, so we have yeah. earth's videos on YouTube. You can also listen to the musical stylings of Admiral Cody and Calibri who have created uh, somewhat of a soundtrack for read. And they're continually adding to that. You can find links below for that. And that wraps up another fun filled jam packed, exciting episode of Readcast. Yay. I, I didn't realize <laughs> we were still recording. I thought this was like post-show. Oh, post-show, huh? Well, maybe we just have to keep recording after we're recording so that we you can get me. Chekhov's weird rants. I always have to interrupt him at the last minute. I always have to. It's just part <laughs> of it. <laughs> I'll be like, and then... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'll be I like, night, guys. Oh, wait, guys, I have uh, one, more, one more thing. Uh, oh, okay, Steve Jobs. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. If we were trying to be a super professional podcast, then <laughs> it'd be one thing. Uh, I'd love to know if we're we just actually, rolling in. I would love recording. to know if any of the SIG guys actually, SIG guys and gals uh, actually listen. That would be funny. If so, they haven't given us any sign. That's right. All right. Good night, um, all. That was really yes. Ha- yeah. Have a great one, guys. We'll see you in the verse. Oh, that's that's CIG's line. Um, what? Well, mm. Thank you, fellow citizens, for listening. We'll chat next week. <laughs> <laughs> that was very sweet. <laughs> <laughs>